welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Have you noticed the atmosphere in here tonight? I don't know if you've caught, I don't know how you could not, but the energy in the shop is great tonight. It's up. There's a great crowd at the bar right now that are just, that's really kind of contributing to a a heightened energy in here that we don't usually see on Wednesday night. So I'm really enjoying it. It is the baseball playoffs are on. So everybody's watching their respective baseball teams play. Assuming they made it to October. I assume it's the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. It's October. It yeah. should be the playoffs. It, it is. I'm just bemoaning the fact that my Braves, once again, didn't make it. One of the things the listeners out here probably know about me already is I'm not a big sports fan. Right. Um, especially team sports. It's just um, I've never been a team player, so I've never really been a big team sports fan. But I still enjoy sitting and watching here at the shop. Um, we do up Alabama games, right? Oh, yeah. There's usually some food involved. There's usually a table full of finger foods and things like that that somebody can just grab and enjoy. The spread hasn't been quite the same this season as it was last season, I've noticed. That's true. We are laying off the gas. We're going to have to do it upright for the coming games. But the Iron Bowl is the last game of the season, right. Alabama-Auburn. That always draws a really good crowd. But if Auburn don't get to playing better, I don't know how good a game it'll be. Right. But moving on, we need to light up some cigars. We sure do. So what are you smoking this week? This week, I'm going to smoke something that I haven't smoked before, but all um, indications say this is going to be a cigar that I'm going to really like. I'm smoking the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. Oh, wow. You know what a fan I am of the San Andreas wrapper. Yeah. Um, It's an 11 11 years aged Mexican wrapper. It's a thick broadleaf Connecticut wrapper and it has Nicaraguan long fillers introduced and it's kind of got supposed to have a little leathery sweetness I'm going to try it out and find out excellent what do you got so I am reaching for a cigar that I so I kind of teased on the show last week that I was going to grab a my father blue label and uh, I went in the cigar this week and and uh, or went into the humidor and and he didn't have the the Toro which is my favorite so I reached instead for the La Integridad by My Father Cigars, which is a great cigar that it's kind of a, it's a box press, which I've talked about is not usually my favorite, but they do a box press so well that I can overlook it for the, the flavor that you get out of this blend. It's a medium full flavored cigar, very spicy as Don Pepin is known for. One of the things that's kind of unique and cool about this cigar is the fact that Every leaf in the cigar, except for one, is grown by my father. So it's all Nicaraguan um, from San Rafael, which is right in the area of Nicaragua where the my father farm is. Uh, the wrapper, however, is an Ecuadorian Habano. So it gives it a nice little complexity that I really like. It's not something they do very often. So it, it, it really... It, I remember when this came out, I think it was like 2014. So it's been out for a while. And I really enjoyed it at the time. And it's one of those that I just keep overlooking lately, and I don't know why. So when I saw it in there, when I was kind of committed to the My Father section of the humidor, I knew that was the one I was going to go for. That's a great smoke. Um, Great-looking box. I have a um, clock made out of one of those boxes. 
I love to raid the boxes that are about to be thrown out here at the cigar shop. And an entire wall of my office is nothing but cigar box clocks. Anybody that knows me here sees me with stuff and they say, where did you get that? And I'll say, at a yard sale. So I love to take and find old clocks at yard sales and tear them apart and put them into cigar boxes. And it's, it's a neat little piece of craftsmanship. I'll have to post a picture of my wall of clocks at some point on the Facebook page just so everybody can see. And the Facebook page is at the Cigar Cast. So also on Twitter, on Instagram, all of those things. But I do want to break down the physics real quick. So this is a new cigar for me, this San Andreas, brand new. Um, once again, Trey measured the time it took him. It did take him a full 10 seconds well, to light Well, only because cigar. I had to hit the stop button twice before it finally registered. So and I was still under the line. I still call into question the evenness, evenness of that particular light you put on that cigar. It's a box press and I'm using your lighter. What do you want from me? But... So what I did, this being the first time I smoked this cigar, I went back to tried and true methods. Instead of doing the scissor cut, which is how most of my cigars are cut. Okay, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but you're right. That's a really crappy light. (laughs) That one doesn't count. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. But with this San Andreas, I went with the Calibri Deep V because that is the one cut you can't mess up. So that if for some reason this cigar does not burn well or does not perform to expectations, I know it wasn't the cut. And then I did use my ST DuPont to put the soft flame light on it because I don't want it to burn too hot. You've got that thing turned way up, I noticed, too. You're getting a lot of flame out of that light. I am. I I probably have it turned up too high. I am probably guilty of that, but I do tend to like to smoke a little hotter light than what most people would on a cigar. Well, the nice thing about a soft flame is that you can turn it up a little bit higher and not damage the the light of the cigar quite as bad as you do if you get a little too high, high pressure a jet on it. Oh, yeah, that Lotus Colossus that I own, you can turn that up high enough to arc weld. Yeah, exactly. So the good thing... I went tried and true methods because I really, I love Rocky Patel as a company. I've met Nish. I never got to meet Rocky yet, but I'm sure our paths will cross at some point. I'm certain. But um, a good company. And the rep we've got around here, Heath, that does the repping for the Southeast region, outstanding guy. Every time I meet with Heath, he'll generally slip me something with just a plain white label on it. It just says, um, you know, like the B-52, which is a great smoke, but unusually hard to find. Yeah. I don't know if they're not selling a lot of B-52s or if just cigar shops haven't caught on to it yet, but that was one he slipped me before they actually released it, and it was wonderful. I really enjoyed that particular cigar. It's a shame that the FDA has come along and kind of limited our ability to find new fun cigars that way. Yeah, I'm not... Let's not get started on the FDA tonight. <laughs> the, they're, they're just, they, the government of the United States is the only place in the world that you can know nothing about a subject and be put in charge of it. It's true. I mean, they know nothing about cigars, and they've put them in charge of it. It's a cash grab. And uh, let's not dirty our palates as we enjoy our cigars. I think cigars. I hit a nerve tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little sensitive. The <laughs> The FDA has rubbed me raw because I really do love my cigar hobby. And I think their reasoning is all flawed. Yeah, I think so too. But moving forward, 
So we've been doing cigar terms, and we've been doing a top five list. Tonight, we're going to combine those two features. And I want to talk tonight about cigar sizes and their definitions, and I also want to relate it to how long it takes to actually smoke that particular stick. All right. And uh, the first size, we mentioned it last week quite often, talking about giving your first cigar, and that's Robusto. Robusto is normally a 5 by 50 normally a round cigar. Normally, I would say 45, 50-minute smoke. Usually about that for me. Um, it, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't even think about it until you just mentioned it, that when I think of sizes, I think of round cigars. I don't think of box presses. I don't know if they use the same size terminology across the board like they do or if there's something... I think they do, right? They still do. They still use the same. And to define cigar size, the first number, for instance, a 5 by 50 is 5 inches long, and it is 50 ring gauge, and 60 ring is 1 inch. So it goes down gradually from there. And is that 60... Or is that an inch circumference, or is that diameter? One inch diameter. An inch circumference would only be probably a 32 ring gauge. I'd have to get out the abacus for that. Yes. I, I don't... <laughs> years, in, years in carpentry make me, see, make me think that. But what's your favorite size for cigar? If you're going to reach for a cigar, what's your favorite size to grab? My absolute favorite is a Toro. So a Toro is usually six inches long and typically but typically around a 56 ring gauge. Uh, there can be some variants of what people call a Toro, but when I think of a Toro, it's six by 56. And for me, it just it fits my hand, it fits my mouth, it gives me a really great uh, idea of what the flavor of that cigar, the blend, I can really taste all of it. And it usually, for me, is a little over an hour smoke, depending on the setting. And that's usually about what I'm looking for. And the Toro, I would say, is the most common size you get in these sampler packs. Unless it's yeah. just, um, you know, they oh, a sampler of big cigars or something like that. But generally, your sampler packs are going to have a lot of Toros in them. Toros and Robustos tend to be the, the two that you're going to find the most in those, because they, they tend to appeal to a very wide audience. Well, Camacho has a great sampler pack that they sell at their, um, often sell at their events. And it comes with a pocket knife, and it's yeah. six cigars, and there's Ecuadorian, there's Connecticut, there is the red, which is Corojo. Corojo. And then usually they'll put a, either a Fogada or a Nicaraguan in that pack. Oh, wow. So that you get a little something extra in those packs. And Okay, cigar, cigar cast top tip. A lot of times when they're having an event and they say, oh, you get this much for a box, you can get them to slide you a hat or something like that in when you buy one of their sampler packs. Mm -hmm. They tend to treat a sampler pack like a box at a much reduced price. It is true. So there's, there's a little tip for getting a little more out of your cigar dollar. <laughs> now, my absolute all things being equal favorite cigar is always going to be a Solomon. Really? For the quality of cigar. Now, Solomon, it's usually 5.8 by 56. It would be the standard definition. It's kind of torpedo, but it's kind of irregular. I guess it's kind of an extruded football shape. 
Yeah, it's going to come to a torpedo tip on the end that you smoke, but then it's also going to taper down, not to a point at the end, like a, but it's it's going to taper to a, a usually a little bit smaller um, at the foot of the cigar. Sometimes you'll even see it with a figurato tip on the end, uh, but not always. And I like the Salomon. The Salomon is one of the most skilled rollers in the factory. Yeah, it really is. It, and anytime, if you've ever picked one up, then you know what goes, what must go into the construction of that cigar. Just the complexity of that shape, if nothing else. And you're going to pay. You're always going to pay a little more. Oh yes. Because you are getting, you know, you're getting the top guy rolling your cigar. But usually not that much variance. I'd say three, four bucks more on yeah. the outside. But you're also getting the, you know, the biggest and best leaves. You're getting the most tobacco. You, you know, you're, you're getting your bang for your buck in a Solomon. I will say Solomons probably have the most variance in time to smoke of any cigar I smoke. I think so because it's it comes down to the tobacco that's in the cigar. It comes down to you know the particular. I mean because it's you'll see them slightly bigger, slightly smaller. There's really no. I mean there's some guidelines more than there are hard fast rules. Also, the Rothschild, Rothschild four and a half by fifty, uh, thirty five forty minutes. Yeah, um, that's a shape that you just don't see anymore. Uh, they were really when I first started smoking about thirteen years ago. There was you would, there were quite a few Rothschilds out there. There's really not anymore. I think the Illusione is the only one that I see with any regularity anymore. It's it's just a great size. It's a little bit. What did you say the the measurements on it were? Four and a half by fifty. Okay, yeah. So for some reason, I was thinking it was a little bit bigger around than a Robusto, but shorter. But I, I guess I was wrong on that. Um, I think that's another one that cigar companies maybe take a little liberties with, because I've seen them side by side with Robustos before where they were a little bit fatter, but shorter. Well, and the Rothschild has probably become a victim of the times. I would agree with that. In so much as there's less cigar there, but they're still having to demand a higher price. Unless people are going to buy a 35-minute cigar at $12, then they're going to buy a 35-minute cigar at $8. Right. And I think that goes into, especially a lot of young smokers, I know I'm still guilty of this, which is, you know, if I'm looking at two different sizes of the same cigar, I'm going to look for which one gives me the most cigar for, I mean, if it's an extra quarter or 50 cents to go up to a little bit bigger cigar to smoke it longer and enjoy it, I'm, I'm going to go that route. Now, one of my favorite sizes of cigar that's also kind of, um, it's not as rare as Bigfoot, but probably as rare as a blue whale, is the Lancero. See, I, spending time on the rep circuit, I, got, I, I was surrounded by a lot of people that really, especially cigar nerds, I'm talking the guys that really just nerd out over cigars and so many of them would always say that the Lancero is the the best you know size for tasting a cigar because the you know you get more wrapper per cigar you know as a percentage of the overall cigar that it's really the truest form of any I, I don't like them I I can't tell you a Lancero that I've ever smoked that I got it that I enjoyed the draw 
Well, the Lancero size is usually a 6 by 34. Yeah. So it's a pretty thin, long cigar. And um, we spoke last week about physics of the actual human being holding the cigar. I'm a little, I look a little odd holding a Lancero. <laughs> Just my overall stature is much broader than what a Lancero is. But I will say, if, you, if I blindfolded you and I handed you a Rocky 20th Lancero and handed you a Rocky 20th Churchill, which we'll cover in a minute, you, could, you would not think that's the same cigar. And, and there's definitely some truth to that. Now, I understand that you're definitely, the flavor profile of the same blend is going to change dramatically in that Lancero. And it's just, for me, I don't get the enjoyment out of holding the cigar, out of smoking the cigar. It's just a, it's a form over function sort of thing for me. And, but that being said, the Churchill is on my list of top five sizes. Uh, I love a Churchill. It's usually six by about 46 or 48, I think. Yeah, they've got it listed here at 7 by 47, but I see more of them at 6 than 7. Right. But I will say, if you see the iconic man holding a cigar, 90% of the time he's holding a Churchill. Mm -hmm. That's really, from a physics standpoint, that 6 by 47, 7 by 47 is what people think of when they think cigar. Yeah, it is. I, I think so, because it's... And I can't tell you how many times I've pulled out a... A, a Churchill around people that don't smoke cigars who so just oh my god that thing is huge but and then you pull out the 6x60 six and <laughs> yeah then, then they don't and then you even get in nuts and you get into the gigantes you get into the 7x70s right and the, the bigger sizes like that now I do want to say these are sizes according to the charts but all cigars are going to have a little variation they are your, you know, your results may vary I wonder how much, I would love to know from someone how much difference, and next time we have a cigar rep here on, I want to know how much difference the size of the cigar goes between seasoning. Because cigars are fermented, they're set back for a couple of years. I wonder how much size they actually lose. I wonder if they shrink up or if they stay that size regardless. That's a great question because they're going to, gain and lose humidity through the process at various times. Uh, so I'd be interested to know that as well. I mean, because every, everyone among us has, has opened up a brand new box of cigars, and the first one, you can't even get it out because they're all sucked into that box so well. But then you get the other box where you just lift it right out. So I wonder if that has I, that could just come down to the box tolerances more so than anything else. But I also wonder how much of it is the growth and shrinking of the cigar. Another rare size is Perfecto. It is. It used to the double Perfecto used to be the number one selling cigar size in the country. I'm talking back in like the teens and twenties. Um, I'm sure the I'm sure it has to do with agriculture. You know the size of the crops and things like that. But it was just very much in vogue. And I I can't tell you the last time I saw one. The Perfecto, um, it is that more football shape, kind of fatter in the middle, thinner on both ends, comes back to a torpedo. Um, just a great smoke, but it's a 30, 35-minute smoke because it's usually about four inches long. Mm-hmm. So the Perfecto size, I think, is kind of falling to the economy of scale. Yeah, I think you're right. But if you do happen to get a hold of Perfecto, enjoy it because they are really great. They are. I mean, it's anything. I, I really do appreciate, you know, the the Perfecto, the Figurato, 
and the um, and the Solomon, all three, just as being very intricately made. I, I really enjoy as much as I've talked to, about not being a fan of a torpedo ended cigar. It just doesn't fit me very well. Uh, I do really like those three sizes, um, in spite of that. And the, let's talk about the classic torpedo. The classic torpedo shape, tapered on one end, consistent for the rest of the way. Usually a 6x52, but they kind of have a lot of variants because everybody likes to produce a torpedo. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get even torpedo box press. The Romeo Nicaraguan, which is one of our favorite cigars, is that torpedo box press. Yeah, and that, that poses some interesting challenges when you're cutting it, I've found anyway. Um, but I, I think... I think there are so many variants out there anymore. You know, you've got the the box press version of everything. You've got, and then you've got one of the things that I think is important as well as you, if you're looking at the box of a particular cigar. I know Gurkha's renowned for naming their cigars, their sizes, these weird things that have nothing to do with how big or small or what shape they are. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. They're not the only one that does that. Ta- no, not Tatoi. Who's the other one that does it? Um, I, I don't know. But there's a there's a bunch out there. Oh, uh, San Cristobal, you know, with the Colossus and the things like that. They, I'd rather know what I'm getting than to what size is that? Oh, it's a Kraken or whatever. I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'd rather know it's a Toro. Well, I'm a fan of rules. So here's the thing. Use the standard cigar shapes when you're naming your cigar, unless it is an odd shape. For instance, the Sam Lucia Frog Splash. Yeah, that is a that is a size that does not uh, that doesn't have any other name. Yeah, it's a box press six by seventy. So it's a maybe even five by seventy, maybe a little shorter than that. What was I? No, I was thinking of the one that's only about this. But what's that one? The real okay. stubby. That's I thought that was the frog splash. The one that's like three by sixty or something like that. Now the frog splash. I want to say it's either four and a half or five by seventy. But okay, maybe that's one. I will. Sam Lucia. He's got the El Gringo. He's got yeah. the Super Kick. He has the frog splash. He named his cigars after wrestling moves. Well, that was for the Luchador specifically uh, that he did that, which was a fantastic cigar that you can't really find anymore. Well, Sam Lucia has left General. Yeah. Um, and everybody I've known that has ever met Sam Lucia has said, yeah, he makes great cigars, but he's not that great a human being. So they've, they've not been a I'm big fan check another of potential sponsor off of our <laughs> list. <laughs> Soon it will be just you and I, Trey. <laughs> Who's going to be the first to piss off Austin and lose that? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. And uh, then also you get into your Panatellas. Um, your Panatellas are usually going to be 34 and less, and they're usually going to be three inches at a max. Yeah, I mean, often confused with cigarillos and things that you find in tins. Yeah, think cigarette. Think large cigarette, and you think that. Actually... The Panatella has a place in my life because I'll smoke them at casinos because they won't let you smoke cigars in the casino. But this is a cigar that's the size of a cigarette so I can smoke it and play my three-card poker. (laughs) So that's a good size of cigar. And then, of course, we go to the A's. Yeah, the A is something that I've only just gotten into recently. I smoked the, the Liga A a couple of weeks ago, and, man, I just... 
for someone who doesn't like a Lancero, I do like an A. Also known as a Magnum, if you're in the Padrone camp. Known as a Magnum, also known as a Presidente. Yes. A lot of people will do the Presidente. The, the thing I love about the A, I've got some sweet Jane A's that my mother and father picked up for me at Deadwood Tobacco in South Dakota. And that's, just so you know, that's the only place you can buy the sweet Jane A. And all, you can't order them. They will ship them to you. But I had them pick me up a coffin of two. Nice. And just a wonderful cigar. Um, it's a good, cool smoke. You know, you hear people talk about a cool smoke when they talk about a church hill, when they talk about a, um, or when they talk about a pipe. Yeah. You know, a church warden, pardon me, church warden pipe is where they would be talking about that cool smoke. And I think you get that from, um, I've had a Monier, I've had the Liga A, I've had the um, Sweet Jane A, and I've also had the Manifesto. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. The only way you can get a manifesto is to shake Jonathan Drew's hand and him give you one. Okay, then. And all, and he gave me a coffin of two one night for my wife and myself. And I smoked one of them that night and smoked one of them on the cruise. That's awesome. But that's the only way you can acquire the manifesto, and the manifesto is excellent. So I think we've, we've gotten off... Um a little bit from the from the so I mean we've talked a lot about shapes but I, and sizes um, also known as vitola by the way if you hear that term thrown around vitola is just another word for size but I mean if I'm bringing it back to a top five and just I mean just something like a go to I, I think it's got to be robusto Churchill and Solomon have to be there I think I think those are two there those are three that just have to be on any five, top five list of just the best cigars. Yeah, if you so the top five most available sizes. There you go. Churchill, Torpedo, Robusto, Toro, um, Toro, and at these days, at least here in the South, I would put the Gordo in that, which is also which is the name that a lot of people use for the six by sixty. And the Gordo has become far more popular recently. But I think it is the opposite of what we talk about with the Perfecto and the um, the other short one. Oh, it's the, it's the equivalent of throwing spaghetti up against a wall and seeing what sticks. You're just packing a whole lot of tobacco into one stick. I will caution you. Now, I sniff my cigars, and I'll, especially if they're not in cellophane. I don't take them out of the cellophane, but I do sniff them. And if I get a little of that hay smell, I know there's too much filler in that particular yeah. cigar. And... You know me, I'm a big ring gauge fan, but they got to pass the sniff test. Mm-hmm. I've got to take a sniff, and they got to not have that hay smell to them. Well, let's uh, take a step back and do a sniff test of our own and come back with more of the show after that. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. And I am smoking the sweetest Rocky Patel I've ever smoked in my life. Really? Lots of caramel. Caramel. Is it caramel or caramel? I believe both are acceptable. Okay. Lots of caramel flavor in this. Um, It's the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. But I've never had a Rocky that was this sweet. It's good. I really am enjoying it. It's not overpowering. It's not a flavored cigar sweet, 
It's just a sweet tobacco. And just love that flavor. By contrast, I'm getting none of that. Um, my La Antigüedad is, is really interesting. It's packing a lot of the spice that, that Don Pepin is known for. But one of the things that's interesting, and I don't know if it's this particular cigar or if, this, or if I just don't remember this from the ones I've smoked in the past, the draw is so cool. Like, it, it almost... It's almost like taking a breath outside right now. It, it, it's coming through cooler than I would expect in temperature-wise. Um, it's really enjoying it, kind of like a pipe, like you were talking about earlier. It kind of uh, reminds me of that a little bit. It's very interesting. I'm about halfway through at this point, so it's, it's starting to heat up a little bit. But I was I'm just really, uh, really surprised by that. Well, and the only one I've had, the only cigar I've really had that had that almost menthol it was so cool it was almost a menthol menthol flavor was the Alec Bradley Max yeah it did have that but those were also 6 by 60 so i wonder if that size had something to do with it in that case i don't know it was like i said it was almost it was almost menthol it was wonderful yeah and uh, i bought i've been through several boxes of max and, uh, and actually i did have a max 8 by 60 one time they call it the freak <laughs> and all, I picked it up at a little cigar shop on the outskirts of Huntsville, Alabama, and really enjoyed that cigar. That lasted me an entire football game. I would imagine night. it would. <laughs> That's a big old cigar. But before we continue with the show about cigars, I do want to take a minute and do a little people watching with you. All right. This is live action people watching. And just so y'all know, I gave Trey no preparation for this. Uh, which is typical. When you look at the cigar shop, our local mayor is holding court over in his corner of the shop. He's got two or three guys over there that are newbies and one guy that comes for the poker game but is a younger gentleman. He's holding court over there and explaining the world, which is kind of fun to see. <laughs> They're all contributing. We have our regular smokers over here in front of the big TV. A um, lot of lot of guys that are here most nights when I come and even you can tell it's getting colder at night one of our outside guys has come in I did notice that he's usually always anchored outside yeah it, it, it definitely there's a chill in the air it, I mean it's almost November so it would be expected but it's interesting to see the way the dynamic changes I thought about that because you and I typically sit outside and you know, catch up after the show every week, and I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think it's a little chilly. We might have to move it back inside. Our bar is being held down by Ali, one of the new bartenders here at Crown. And the big crowd that was creating such a ruckus and, and livening up the atmosphere, it seems to have dissipated somewhat. They have kind of dispersed. It's, come, it's getting a little calmer. Um, we have one gentleman that comes in here. I'm sure you have him at your cigar shop that always brings the newspaper and has a cigar and reads his fresh newspaper from cover to cover. He's been he works a crossword puzzle as well, which is something that uh, as someone who works at one to two crossword puzzles a day, I really appreciate that. I always walk by and say Yuli's gold. Cuz that's <laughs> in every crossword puzzle. They need the bow, the vowels. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's interesting. I, one of the fun things for me, I love on a cruise people watching while smoking a cigar. And I love being here in the shop and kind of people watching a little and seeing the conversations that are going on, whether they be sports-related, whether they be political. There's a lot of wisdom being passed around in a cigar shop. Speaking of wisdom, you teased something last week that I, I want to get to. 
um, and it had to do with wrestling, and I want to know how you're going to draw this line. Okay. I believe, when I grew up, I'm not a fan of team sports. I never played team sports because I've, I've always been an individualist. I always loved a good John Wayne movie, One Man Against the World. But team sports instill many benefits in young men. The benefits of teamwork, the benefits of showing up on time, of practice. Discipline. I will argue now, I present my case to the cigar judge, that every child should watch professional wrestling for these reasons. Now, I did watch professional wrestling when I was a child. Uh, I haven't in some years... Uh, I'll occasionally, you know, join you for a pay-per-view or watch, you know, but it's not something that I seek out. So I'm curious, what about this particular form of entertainment instills those values in young men the way you think that team sports do? Well, the first thing that professional wrestling does is it desensitizes us. One of the problems in society in general is everybody is so sensitive at this point. Everybody is worried about offending somebody worried about coming across as too harsh or coming across as too light. Wrestling desensitizes you to that. Let's say tonight we finish up the podcast and I say, let's go outside and have a cigar. I'm going to go grab a Padron and you say, oh, I, I got the last Padron out of the humidor. Well, if I snatch you up and powerbomb you through one of the tables here, you're, that's going to hurt you physically. But it's also going to hurt you emotionally because you and I are pretty tight. You know, we're here every week doing that. It's also going to hurt the cigar if it's still in my hand at that point. That's true. But if you haven't lit it yet, I'll get my Padron. But it teaches you not to take that personally because every week you watch somebody turn on their best friend in professional wrestling. It's a classic professional wrestling line. But I would argue that we aren't professional wrestlers, so I, I would take that personally. But you would take it personally more so than I would if you happened to hit me with a lariat as we were going out the door. Okay. It also teaches you the value of humility. If the next week I walked into this cigar shop after a lifetime of watching professional wrestling and stood up and said, I'm the toughest man in this place because I powerbomb trade through a table, I guarantee you Andre the Giant would walk out of the humidor and throw me through the front window. (laughs) (laughs) This happens in professional wrestling every day. Kids are exposed to this that watch professional wrestling. There's always the guy in the ring who has gotten a chip on his shoulder or gotten a little too full of himself. And there's always somebody bigger and badder walking out of the back to knock him down. Even the Undertaker got powerbombed, didn't he? By his brother. Yeah. But that's that's a totally different different (laughs) train of thought. It also discourages bullying. There's very generally what happens in professional wrestling is you get a couple of guys together and they all form a group and they start attacking guys two on one, three on one, in essence, bullying. And there's always this one young man that stands up to them. You know, if two guys in here stood up and said, um, Yes, Shane, we seen you get through through the window last week. You're obviously not the man you thought they were. And they were rallying against me all that time. Professional wrestling has taught me that that won't stand. There's always somebody standing up to a bully in professional wrestling. Okay. And I will argue that that's the only way to handle a bully. People say call an authority figure, report it to the principal to whatever. But 
you at some point in your life will have to stand up to a bully and professional wrestling will give you the skills to do just that. (laughs) And the last thing, probably the most important thing that professional wrestling teaches is forgiveness. Forgiveness is abundant in professional wrestling. Eventually, these two guys bullied me enough. I believe you would find it in your heart to sneak up behind one and bash him over the head with an ashtray. And stand by after the side. Having, after having been powerbombed through a table, well, I would I, I, rejoin your I see what you're after, saying. After you got out of the cast, <laughs> you would rejoin. You would find forgiveness in your heart. I could say I made a mistake and I would like to come back and restart the cigar cast and be friends again. And you would step up to do that if you had had a life of professional wrestling. These are the things that professional wrestling teaches us, and these are invaluable lessons that I believe young men everywhere in this country should know. <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering how you were going to tie those lines, but I guess it. But, but can you? I would make the argument that by participating in team sports versus, I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't. I'm, but participating in versus being a spectator gives you a different level of appreciation, I would feel like. And if you're bent, if your child's bent is such that he can garner the lessons from team sports, but the thing is, Einstein said it, never judge a fish on his ability to climb trees, he'll go through life thinking he's an idiot. And some children are not geared to team sports. Some children are not geared to want to be the star on the football team or be the supporting player or, you know, would rather, as I did, play in the band. And all my main motivation for playing in the band was at the end of the football game, the football team got on a bus full of guys and rode home and the band got on a bus full of guys and ladies and rode home. <laughs> but, so, the, but band taught you the same discipline and, you know, you have to practice, you have to march, it taught you all the same things that the team sports did. But I would argue the band is more individualized because you have to master your instrument. Well, but the quarterback doesn't have to master field goal kicking either. But the quarterback is no good without his offensive line. I can play a heck of a tuba solo. Uh, have you ever heard a tuba solo? I've played many. <laughs> Hall of the Mountain King had a tuba solo in it. I'm going to have to find video of this. (laughs) It it was an excellent learning experience, but I would argue that if you had a child that was not bent to team sports, get him into professional wrestling. It'll be invaluable teaching him lessons in life. But I still think Beethoven's Fifth would be much, much different if it was just the timpani. I agree, but it will be hard to sell a young man on Beethoven's fifth as opposed to professional wrestling. Well, that I'll give you that. So I would argue it also professional wrestling teaches you you've got to stay physically fit. You've got to hit the gym regardless of how much they travel. They've still got to get in the gym. There's going to be injuries. They still have to come back from them. Follow me. The secret is professional wrestling. I, I promise you Vince McMahon could rule the world if he was willing to take a pay cut. <laughs> Uh, you, you haven't sold me, but I, I do see your perspective a little bit better. That's all I can ask. If I, <laughs> if I only touch one child's life in this time, I'm doing better than most. 
So that that was my entirety on professional wrestling. But I will say, Alex, um, I believe Acosta is his last name. One of our listeners and I had a great conversation on Facebook the other day talking about how we should rename cigars according to pen- finishing maneuvers. Well, you've you've said that for years, right? And uh, would you not smoke a stone cold stunner? <laughs> If you if you went into the humidor and you had a choice of the choke slam, the RKO, the Stone Cold Stunner, would you not sm- choose that over, say, a mermaid? Yeah, <laughs> that's a callback from one of our earliest episodes. Wow! Yet another sponsor out the door. Yeah, La exactly. Serena gone. Yeah. <laughs> We're really checking those boxes these last couple of weeks. But also, speaking of on Facebook and people that have submitted. Um, all of their ideals for show themes for our 40th show. Next week's the big show. Yeah, it's not too late to get your suggestions in. So we've still got a few days uh, before we record the 40th episode, and we still haven't chosen which of the many suggestions that we're going to take. So if you've got an idea for something you want us to cover, uh, please drop us a line, you know, facebook.com slash the cigar cast. Of course, there's... uh, Instagram and Twitter at the Cigar Cast. So there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. And if your suggestion is chosen for next week's episode, you're going to get an Oliva ashtray. We're going to send it to you. It's uh, ceramic, big, heavy duty. It, it will stand up to the weather outside, as Crown Cigars has proven, because they've got one sitting out there for years and it still looks like they just took it out of the box. Uh, so, whoever, uh, so we're not going to announce it until. Um, next week on the show. So uh, tune in to hear what we talk about. But it's not too late to get your suggestions in. And we've had a lot of good suggestions. I would like to get something a little off the beaten path. And I'm re- we've had great suggestions, but I want something really out there. Can we get somebody that has that mind out there to really give me something off the beaten path? Why the oboe is the sexiest instrument. That, that would be a, that would be that, a tough one. I mean, that's one. out there. I, I can't necessarily support it okay but please just saying (laughs) suggest to us the more outlandish the better and at some point we should do an outlandish cigar theme podcast i think you got pretty close tonight (laughs) in other cigar news now have you had a chance to smoke the java red yet the cherry flavored java and uh, i have not and i will not Oh, you should have an open mind. If you'd watched professional wrestling, you would you would be <laughs> fine with the Java Red. So the the Java the reason that I will not smoke a Java Red is because number one, I'm not a huge fan of the Java. Just it's not the type of cigar that I enjoy. Number two, I don't like cherry. I don't like cherry flavor. I don't like cherries. I don't like um, anything in that genre. So one, I. One night, we're holding your feet to the fire. We're going to have a flavored cigar show, and you're going to have to smoke a flavored cigar. I will smoke a flavored cigar for a specific episode of this show, but it still will not be that one. It won't be special guest host someone else? No, no I will, I will, I will, I will, uh, I will uh, walk through your gauntlet that you're laying down, but, it'll, but I already know what it would be. What would it be? I've got to know. It would be the... Uh, the Nub Nub Cafe Nub Cafe I actually seen it the other day we all knew it was coming we knew it was going to happen the Nub Cafe pumpkin spice is out there for oh, the fall oh good god really 
Dove Cafe pumpkin spice is available. That won't be what it is either. If I can lay my hands on a Nub Cafe pu- pumpkin spice before that episode, we need to get a we need to get a basic bitch on the show so that she can smoke. <laughs> we're we're going to have to start employing stunt hosts for some of these cigars. I think so for for the Lancero episode episode especially. And also for our 40th show, because we're going to do it upright, let's both smoke a really premium cigar. I like the sound of that. Let's smoke something that you would have to dig deep in the humidor, that you would have to reach for to really get a good cigar. I think I think that'll be interesting. We we tend not to smoke cigars of that high a caliber on the show, so I think it'd be interesting to, to go down that road a little bit. I've already... Uh, there's so much good stuff in the Crown Humidor here that I think we won't have any heart, any trouble... Uh, picking something out. Well, and we've smoked some premiums. I've smoked the Eye of the Shark on here, and I really love the Eye of the Shark. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my favorite of the Fuente releases, even better than the Opus X. Um, tend to lean toward that when I go super premium. If you go super premium, what do you go? Uh, You're not committing to the show, but right. I'm just curious. Uh, you, Padron 26. Uh, you're going to go with the, the standard. Yeah, I, because, because it's a standard for a reason. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, it, I know Austin's working really hard on getting Liga in the shop, and I don't necessarily consider that a super premium, more of an exclusive premium, um, just because it's a completely different flavor profile. But I think the Padron, it's, well, I used to really love the Perdomo Edicion de Silvia Maduro. And they used to make them in a Solomon in these coffin boxes, and they were amazing. Uh, another one that you really can't get around here is Paul Grammarian. I'm, I'm, there's a my old shop back in Atlanta carries Paul Grammarian, and it's I, I think they usually don't put them in two shops closer than about 250 miles apart, so they're really exclusive. But everything is aged at least 10 years before it sees the shelves, so it's. That that that's probably what I would reach for if I had the availability to get it around here. Now let's go from the premium to the cigar under eight. Let's do it. That man can transition to anything. The cigar under eight this week. Now this is an interesting cigar. This is a cigar company. You and I don't talk about this cigar company enough. And it's a shame too because I really like their cigars and I have smoked this particular one. Uh, quite a bit. Not as much anymore because there's only one shop I know of in town that carries it, and I just haven't been there in a while. Not for any other reason than it's just not been on my beaten path. Um, but it's the Nat Sherman Timeless. Uh, I really Nat Sherman was a huge company for a very long time, then kind of fell by the wayside. And now they've recently come back over the course of the last maybe four years or so. They've started reintroducing and getting into a few more shops, and I really like what they do. Nat Sherman is a classic cigar company. They're founded in the 1930s, and they they were a destination for a long time. The Nat Sherman factory, the Nat Sherman shops, they were really destination shops, and they have broadened them out. Now, they're classic by classic, I mean, the Nat Sherman rep usually going to be wearing a suit and tie. Mm-hmm. He's usually going to be of a age. It's not going to be a Drew Estate rep is not going to rep Nat Sherman. Yeah, it, it, you're definitely, it, it takes a certain type of, it's branding. I mean, the reps represent the branding really well. And I mean, even in New York still, you've got the Nat Sherman Lounge, I think is about the only place you can smoke inside in New York anymore. 
and that's just because they're grandfathered in. One of the things that uh, I was surprised to learn when we were researching the cigar is uh, that it's actually made in the Casada factory now. And I don't guess I realize that, but it explains why I like it. Because for a Dominican cigar, it it actually has quite a bit of flavor. It's a good afternoon smoke. I would I wouldn't call it an evening smoke. It's one that pairs well with coffee, you know, for that like early morning because it's it tends to be on the medium bodied side, maybe even medium light. Um, but it you know the the robusto retails right around eight bucks, and they ha- it has that shiny cover. The wrapper on that cigar looks like it has been sanded and finished. Yeah. It's really, you know, if you look at cigars, it's interesting. If you look at cigars and you go from the most traditional cigar, the cigar that the guy from the Monopoly game would be smoking, I think he would probably be smoking a Davidoff, all the way down to the drifter with a troubled past smoking it in one of my favorite monster movies right if that's your scale the nat sherman definitely falls more toward the monopoly man oh yeah i definitely think more of andrew carnegie than i do of you know cam newton i don't know why that was what i went (laughs) that was who came to mind i just don't see him smoking a nat sherman i don't uh Well, and it's interesting because the type of person and the type of cigar they smoke don't always flow together. They don't. But, you know, one of our poker players here, um, really good poker player, probably the best poker player in our game. If he gets cards, he's going to win every night. And he's always going to smoke something aromatic. Yeah. He's always a Kentucky fire cured or a swamp thing or something along those lines is what he's going to be smoking at the table, which I would argue is a little bit of violation of etiquette. I would say so. I mean, that that goes to controlling your smoke. I think choosing your cigar when you're going to be sitting elbow to elbow with eight other people at a table, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe skip the KFC that night. Maybe go for something. Um, you know, we can do a top five list in the future of cigars not to smoke at the poker game. Right, and acid being on that list for sure. Acid definitely being on that list, and I'm definitely putting the tabernacle on that list. Or any Gurkha as well, just because of the, the sheer volume of smoke that comes out of that. I swear they're rolled with a hickory stick down the middle. They, but that's for another show. That's, that's for another show. We don't want to, to expose too much <laughs> on that for future shows. But once again, enter the contest. This is your last week to get in to get a chance to win the ashtray. Send us some great um, ideals, some great concepts, and they can reach us where, Trey? Uh, so it's facebook.com slash thecigarcast. Also, Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. And then uh, by regular old email, info at thecigarcast.com. Well, Shane, I think it's a little cold for us to step outside, but I th- what do you say we uh, button this down and, and sit over and enjoy the rest of our cigars for the evening? I'm on. Mm-hmm.